Thank you, Pastor Chris. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be here. For those of you that don't know, I have a three-month son, and so the last three months, well, the last year, let's be honest, right? The, the last three months have been quite interesting and fun, and uh, Mike and I have had fun kind of figuring things out as we go, but it is just a blessing. I consider it such an honor to be able to share this morning and to be a part of just continuing forward our series through the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bible, if you have your phone, whatever you're using today to get into the scriptures, I just want to invite you now, now's the time you can flip to or scroll to Philippians 2. Now, like I said, we've been through a series. This is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, a Roman colony. And there's a lot of extenuating circumstances I'll get to in a moment. But if you have missed this in any part of this series so far, I encourage you, they've all been recorded. Go back and catch up. And there's, there's something about Philippians, even if you look at it and flip, if there's just a few chapters in there, it is a power-packed book full of such good stuff. And even this week, as I was preparing to preach the first half of chapter two, I was like, oh man, there's like 10 sermons in here. What, what do I do? So I want to encourage you, get, get in it for yourself. You never know what God will share with you. And I'm just looking forward to seeing the rest of the series through. So in Philippians 2, uh, where we pick up today, uh, there, there's a couple things kind of going on in the background. First of all, the Apostle Paul wrote this book, but from prison. So he was not with them. He was in prison. So can you imagine showing up to church and finding out that Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel have been arrested? Now, we, we kind of laugh about that here because what a blessing we have in America. But we know that that happens, right? And this happened in that time. It, uh, Philippi was a Roman colony. There was a lot of persecution and stuff against them. So what do you do? You take the leader, right? So can you imagine what it was like for a community, their spiritual leader, to be in prison, to not be with them and prison? And that was no cakewalk, <laughs> right? And then not, not only was Paul in prison writing this letter, which is part of it, so their leader was in prison, but in chapter 1, we learn some things that the church was facing themselves. Uh, in the end of chapter 1, Paul says, I know you have been persecuted. I know you've been opposed. You've been going through difficulty. You've been suffering. Those are all the things that Paul is saying at the end of chapter 1. So there is a lot going on in the church. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have a lot going on, the people closest to me get affected the most. Can anyone else relate to that? Yeah, the, the people around me, when I have a lot going on, when, when things are hard, the, the people closest to me get affected the most. So today, Paul has an answer. He has something he wants to share uh, about that thought. So here we are going to pick up chapter 2, verse 1, and I invite you to read along with me. Therefore, if any of you have encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. And then this is where we're going to hang our hats a lot today. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, 
being one in spirit and of one mind. So what does this, all these kind of buzzwords, be, be same love, be like-minded, what, what does this have to do with everything I just talked about, all the hard stuff they were going through? Because hand in hand, it, it doesn't seem to like fully connect. Well, I think what Paul is getting at here, and this is kind of our main point for today, I'm going to say it a couple times, if there's one takeaway you have today, here it is. Paul is saying the only way through hardship is together, together. And this is a theological claim that Paul is making. What he is saying is that if you are united with Christ, if you follow Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if you are united with Christ, it should lead to being united with others. That is a theological statement. If you are united with Christ, you should be united with others. A marker of the people who are in relationship with Jesus is unity. Unity. That's what Paul is saying here in, in the first couple verses. A marker of the people filled with the Holy Spirit is unity. And not only does Paul say this, but in John 13, 35, Jesus says this. Maybe those of you that have been around the church, may, maybe this is familiar to you. Uh, Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. So the only way through hardship is together. Let's keep unpacking this. In 2018, there was a study done of all of these married couples. So a whole bunch of married couples. And they took each couple through three scenarios. So scenario number one, they took couples and put them in two, each spouse in two separate rooms. Okay, two separate rooms. And the goal was they were going to focus on one thing and then they were going to use an EEG to measure their brain waves. So they had two separate, two separate people, two separate rooms, okay? Couple. So that's that's scenario number one. Scenario number two was they put the couple in the same room together. Same thing, measuring their their brain waves and paying attention, like focusing on one thing. So we have separate rooms, same room, and then the final scenario that they had was they put them in the same room, but they had the couple hold hands. Same thing, measure their brains, watch their thoughts, and hold hands, focusing on the same thing. Okay, so they did one round of that. They put each couple in each room and did, did the measuring of their brains. Then they took the couples through that room a second time, through, through each stage a second time. And this time, they gave the female a little bit of heat pain. So I don't know why they chose the female in the study. I feel personally hurt by that. But same thing, only this time that added variable of some pain to the female. So they, they measured it here, separate rooms. Spouse was in a different room. Then, same thing, a little bit of pain, put them in the same room together, and then finally, in the same room together, a little bit of pain, but they were holding hands, each time measuring their brains. 
And here's what's cool. Here are, here are two key results from this study. So first, the, the four times that the couples were together in the same room, because like really they were tested six times, right? Does that make sense? So the four times, one, two, round one, round two, round two, that they were in the same room, their brain waves were synchronized. That's, that's like straight out of the, like the, the report for the study. So what this means is they were focusing on it together. They were in the same room. And all four times, they had this cool um, showing of the scans. Even like in the report, it, it's like super cool. If you're interested, I can give you the, the site later. But in the report, they held, they like printed the scans like side by side. And it, they looked the same. It was pretty crazy. So were they thinking the same thoughts? Are they the same person? No, but there was something about being in the same room that synchronized their thoughts. Super cool, right? Super cool. All right, so here's a second thing, though. For every single couple where there was pain involved, every single couple that the woman was feeling pain and they were holding hands, every single time the woman reported less pain. So give it same amount of pain every time, but there was something about the couple in the same room holding hands. She reported less pain every single time. So what does this mean? Well, first of all, it is literally possible to be like-minded the way that Paul is talking about in this passage. We are literally wired to do that. Isn't that cool? So that's the first thing. It is literally possible to be like-minded. I know it's hard to believe. It is, it is possible. But here's the second thing. We are wired to endure pain together and not alone. We are not meant to be in pain or walk through hard stuff alone. So we need to make a choice. And this is what Paul is saying. We need to make a choice to stand in the same room together and hold hands. That's a choice we can make. The only way through hardship is together. The only way through is together. Okay, why? Why? So that, that's great. Maybe we're all on the same page. Sounds good, Paul. You want us to be like-minded. Okay, great. But why? Well, first of all, isn't life hard enough? The church had so much external coming at them. I'm sure no one can relate to this, right? There's already so much coming at them. Why would they add to internal struggle and hardship too? Why? There's already so much coming at them, so much persecution, so much oppression, so much hardship. Why in their body of believers, why among these, this group of believers would they add that internal struggle to that external struggle. Life is hard enough. The second reason is the witness of the good news of Jesus Christ is at stake. Here's, here's what Paul is saying here. Here's the greater, the, the greater thing that he's really getting at here. He is saying, he's painting this picture that when someone sees People that know Jesus over there, they should be saying, wait, I know them. <laughs> They're so different. How are, they, how are they all together? How do they all like each other? 
or I know them, I know how hard life has been for them. How is their marriage that strong? How, how is that possible? I know them. Their personalities are so strong. How are they friends? How is that even possible that they can stand to be in the same room together? That's what, that's what Paul is getting at here, is being like-minded. What it does is it shows to the world the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's worth the effort being like-minded. Not only is life hard enough, but just by choosing to do the work to get on the same page and be like-minded and go through stuff together, the world stands with mouth open. How is that even possible? What brings them together? That is what Paul is trying to paint here. And one thing I want to say is that you may not always agree, but that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not saying make sure you have the same opinion on everything. <laughs> He's saying be like-minded. Now, uh, Frank and Kathy, we, I'm going to talk about you guys for a second. Um, you guys are Steelers fans. You're from Pittsburgh, right? <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're excited. Tiffany... Crosby was in first service. She's also a Steelers fan. Now, I am a born-raised Cleveland girl, okay? I am a Browns fan. Okay, some of that in there. Um, we may not agree on some things, but we serve the same Jesus, don't we? And that's a silly example, but how often do we let things that we don't agree on with each other or just not seeing eye to eye, whether it's different personalities, different ways of looking at life, um, how often do we let that get in between us being like-minded with, with other believers? We do that way too much. I know I do. And so it's not about agreeing with everyone. It's not about being robots and having the exact same thought about everything. It's about choosing to be like-minded and come together, even despite the amazing diversity and the amazing complexity among people. All right, so how? How is this done? Well, Paul, back in, in um, now we'll go back into the scripture. We're going to start, uh, kind of pick up where we left off in verse 3. So how is it possible to get like-minded? And Paul offers a solution here. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, catch this, guys. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Has anyone ever tried to give advice that you clearly shouldn't give? Has anyone ever done that? So I have a three-month-old. So that means I'm an expert at parenting, right? <laughs> and the next time I'm at the store and there's a toddler having a meltdown, I should definitely go over to that parent and tell them how to make their child calm down, right? That's advice I should not be giving. <laughs> not only have I not been through that stage of parenting, but I don't know how to parent that child. That's advice I have no business giving, right? Well, uh, right now, uh, you know, it's, it's football season. How often do I sit on the couch watching the Browns play, like feet up, right, eating my popcorn? Like, you know, that he should have really just ran the ball. What was he thinking? 
Like, who, like, who am I to say? Like, what are they going to do? Like, invite me into their next training and let me tell them how to play the game? That's ridiculous, right? You don't go to people that haven't been through it for advice. You, you just don't. So just like you don't go to a leader, ask for leadership advice to someone that has no influence, and you don't go to someone for relationship advice that doesn't have the best track record <laughs> or lack thereof <laughs> of relationship, uh, you want to go to someone with advice that has been through it and that has come out the other side, right? Well, that's what Paul is doing here with Jesus. He's saying, my, my solution for you is I want to point you to Jesus because he went through it. He's the one that we should be taking advice from. Jesus is the one that we can take our cues from and move forward. So for the rest of our time, here's what we're going to do. Paul continues to talk. He gives Jesus his example. So we're going to look through that. There's a couple key takeaways, and we'll, we'll call it a day. How does that sound? All right. So let's start back in verse 5. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. All right, so here, here's a question we can reflect on while we're, we're going through this. And that's, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to give up? Verse 6 says, Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. So here Paul is saying, Jesus was equal with God. He was God. But he made himself nothing for us. He chose to set aside what he deserved as God and came for us. And so often when we are not like-minded with people, right? I'm sure we can all think of people. So often our mind goes to what we deserve and we spend a whole bunch of time there. <laughs> Well, I deserve an apology. <laughs> no one's ever said that before. Just me. <laughs> well, I deserve an apology. We're not going to get this figured out until they make the first move, right? We, none of us have ever done that, I'm sure. Um, I deserve them to know my side of the story. I deserve them to think about me more. And notice every single time, that, yeah, there's stuff we deserve. And I'm not talking about excusing hurt. I'm, the, I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about the choice to say, you know what, I might deserve an apology. Or, you know what, I might deserve for them to hear me tell them off. Or I might deserve to give them the silent treatment, wait till they come around, whatever it is. I deserve this. Uh, maybe we set that mentality aside and instead say, what are you willing to give up? Maybe sometimes it's being willing to give up the right for an apology or giving up the right to be completely understood, <laughs> or the right 
to have someone take care of you. Uh, Jesus, who was God, he had every right and set it all aside. That's what Paul is saying here. So Jesus was willing to give it all up. What are you willing to give up? Here's the second thing. And this is a prayer. This prayer is, Jesus, help me see this person, these people, the way you see them. <laughs> help me see them the way you see them. So who is that in your life? Is it a group of people? Is it the people that vote differently than you? Is it your spouse, your kids? Is it a teacher? Is it your boss, a friend? Who, who is it that you need to bring them before Jesus? And before you do anything else, you say, help me see them the way that you see them. In verse 8, Paul says, Jesus took on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And, you know, we have this, this phrase. Has anyone ever heard the phrase, use the phrase, like taking a mile, walking a mile in someone else's shoes? Have you heard that? So the whole point there is, yeah, you don't, like, you have a, you have a problem with someone. Well, take a mile in their shoes. T try to think about what it's like from their perspective and, like, kind of walk in that for a second to gain some empathy for that person. Well, Jesus didn't just walk a mile in our shoes. He walked 33 years in human flesh. He walked an entire lifetime in our experience, taking on our experience, feeling the pain that we feel, experiencing the rejection that, that we experience. He took that on, and he is truly able to understand. That's what makes him so worthy of being a savior is because he is, it is possible for him to understand what we go through because he has taken the time to literally walk a lifetime in our flesh. And so, yeah, help me see them the way you see them. That's a painful prayer because it's going to cause you to kind of have your heart soften a little bit toward them. But if Jesus was able to walk around in our experience and get to the point where he could relate with us, be a, be a brother to us, then how much more can we take this, this tough opportunity to say, God, help me see them the way you see them? It's a simple prayer, but it's a hard prayer. All right, here's a third question. What are you willing to go through? What are you willing to go through? In verse 8, Paul says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was willing to take the death penalty. He was willing to do whatever it took to gain relationship with us. Even death on a cross, he was willing to do that. He endured pain for our sake, and he was willing to go through everything and did. So my question is, what are you willing to go through? What comfort are you willing to leave? In what ways are you willing to die so that you can become like-minded with that person or those people in your life? Not agreeing on everything, but what are you willing to let die? What are you willing to go through in order to 
find some common ground with that person. So here's, here's kind of where we're ending today. I know some of you came in and you are just in pain. You're like this church, being hit at from every side. And what I want to tell you is that Jesus understands your pain because he endured it. He gave it all for you. He walked a lifetime living the experience that you now live. And he was willing and he understands the pain that you're going through. And going back to that study we were talking about earlier, it's as if Jesus has come in the room and he's grabbed our hand. He's held out his hand. He came in the room and held out his hand for us. And today, maybe the thing that you need to do is grasp Jesus' hand back. You were not meant to go through pain alone. You were not meant to go through life alone. And why not take the hand of the person that has lived that pain too? And you can walk through it together. So I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe some of you, you followed Jesus for a long time. Maybe some of you, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. But today, the question for all of us is, will you grasp Jesus' hand back? He considered equality with God not something to be grasped, to be used to his advantage. Why not grasp his hand back? He's in the room. He's not out of the room. He's in the room. He was in the room for 33 years, and now he's here with us through his spirit. He's in the room holding out his hand. So I don't know what this looks like for you, but today, grasp Jesus' hand back. Maybe that's right now before we leave and call it a day before church is over. Um, maybe you just need to take a moment, and whatever that looks like, okay, Jesus, yeah, you're, you're here. You, you get it. I'm not alone here. Maybe that's what's needed. Or maybe that's something you do tonight before you go to bed. <laughs> maybe you just feel so heavy tonight. It's, Jesus, I just need to unload this pain. I need to share it with you. I can't walk it alone. Maybe that's what needs to happen. So I don't know where you are in this room. I don't know what that looks like for you. But today, there's an opportunity to grasp Jesus' hand back. And don't miss the opportunity. You should not have to go through what you're going through alone. And that's what Jesus is here for. And speaking from a passage where the guy was in jail. <laughs> and here he is talking all about this letter, how much faith he has, all this stuff, because he knew he wasn't alone. And that's what he was encouraging the church with. So today, grasp Jesus' hand back. Don't miss this opportunity. And then, finally, back to our main point. The only way through hardship is together. You are not meant to go through life alone. You are not meant to be in pain alone. The only way through hardship is together. So not only today are we called to grasp hands with Jesus as he sits in this room with us, but grasp hands with others. Grasp hands with other people that know Jesus. If you're going through life alone, today is your day where you say, I'm not doing that anymore. That is not how you were meant to live, and that is something that we can do. So I want to talk 
kind of on two levels here. The first level is the church level because Paul was talking to the church at Philippi. You know what? In order to grasp hands with others, you got to be willing to let go of some stuff that maybe you deserve or you need to be willing to give up some things that, that you want in order for that to happen. So uh, a big one in church, kind of a common example, is you may not like the style of every worship song that's played. But you can set that aside because when we come together, we can be like-minded in praise, even if it's not something you would personally choose, a song that you would personally choose for whatever the reason may be. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's joining a life group. Here's the deal. Sunday mornings are great. We're going to do them. There's a purpose for them. But you can't hold hand in hand with people sitting like this. So if this is your only experience of church, I want to push you a little bit and say, um, maybe for you it's being willing to give up one night every other week and coming together with other people that know Jesus in a life group. Because let me tell you, <laughs> going through pain alone is not fun. And some of you probably know this because you have been. And so today I say, if that's you, you're alone, don't be alone anymore. Choose to be like-minded, to walk through it with other people. And let me tell you, Mike and I, we've been in a life, we were in an amazing life group when we were up in Cleveland, and now that we're here, we've joined another life group. And let me tell you, we have gone through some hard stuff. And I don't know how we would have made it if it hadn't been for the people next to me in my life group cheering me on and being there for me, grasping hands with Mike and I, and walking us through some of the hardest times we've ever gone through. So I want to encourage you, grasp hands with others. I don't know what that looks like, but that's what church is for. It's not just for coming and having kind of this approach, someone ju just simply someone talking at you, just simply um, people uh, leading in worship. It's so that we can go out and walk in life hand in hand. And then that's kind of the church side. The last level I want to talk about is the personal side. What are you willing to give up for that person or those people in your life that you don't see eye to eye with? That it's really hard for you to be in the same room with them. It's really hard for you, like you don't even get where they're coming from, right? What are you willing to give up for them? You know, maybe for some of you, you literally need to grab the hand of your spouse. Maybe you guys have been not unified and have not been like-minded for too long. And you may not see eye to eye with everything, but maybe today this is your chance to say, we got to walk through this together and figure this out together. Maybe for some of you, it's going to a friend and someone that you have a strained relationship with and it's hey we need to figure this out we need to come together and be like-minded yeah maybe it's someone that that has really hurt you maybe even here in this room maybe it's someone that's really hurt you and this is the opportunity to say let's let's become like-minded let's figure this thing out now this stuff isn't comfortable right but we can be, take comfort in that Jesus did it first and he's not asking us to do anything that he didn't already do. He did it first. He gave us his example. 
he gave us his mindset to follow. And you know what? It's worth it because I believe, and I just want to speak life into your relationships today. I believe that when the world sees you, when the world sees your marriage, your friendship, your family, your life group, your church, when the world sees you, they're going to go, how is that even possible? What miracle happened there? <laughs> who, who, what unites them? And the answer is going to be Jesus. And it's going to bring so much glory to him and so much life to your relationships to take the effort to become like-minded with the people in your life. And so today, I'm going to close in prayer. And I want to pray this prayer together before we even, uh, but before I pray, let's take a moment and think. You know, if we say, Jesus, help us see this person the way you see them. Who is that? So let's take a moment. Who is that person? I'm sure you have a name or a few names. Maybe it's a group of people. Fill in the blank. Who is that person we're going to ask Jesus to help us see? Just want to make sure everyone has a chance to think of someone. Jesus, help us see our spouse, help us see our friend, our sibling, help us see our boss, our neighbor, our fellow believer, help us see them the way that you see them. Lord, we're not seeing eye to eye with them, there has been hurt, Lord, we bring that before you today, help us Help me figure out, help us, each of us figure out what can we do to come together in unity? Lord, what can we do that uh, with you at the center and with your example to follow Jesus, how can we walk in like-mindedness moving forward? Would you help us see them the way that you see them, the way you saw them when you came and walked in our flesh and died on the cross? Lord, would you allow that to be today? And Lord, for people in this room that feel like there's no hope, that feel like there's no like-mindedness, there's no way you can ever get there, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that your power would just come alongside these relationships, that you're in the room with them, you're holding their hand, and that you can bring yourself glory out of helping people that were not seeing eye to eye, and it seemed impossible, see eye to eye. Lord, we ask this today. And finally, all of us in here, we see you grasping our hand and what it took for you to get in the same room with us to be able to grasp our hand. And today we grasp back. We grasp back. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen. All right, well, be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus.